Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 143. So even if our cognitive brains can look at that and be like, that person seems really kind and caring, uh, our nervous systems, because we have been regulated to an environment where care doesn't exist, is starting to send off alarm bells and say, get away. We can't trust this. Uh, what's the catch? I am so excited for today because today is officially the release day, October 3rd, for my new book, Holy Runaways, Rediscovering Faith After Being Burned by Religion. I'm also excited for today because y'all get to listen to a conversation that I had with my dear, dear friend, Kevin Garcia. Uh, Kevin interviewed me for their podcast, and I loved it so much that I was like, hey, Kevin, can I put that on Queerology too? Like, I, I feel like it's a conversation that encapsulates so much of what this book is. Uh, and so I'm excited for y'all to hear it. If you're not familiar with Kevin, here's a little introduction. Kevin is a spiritual recovery coach, a mystical theologian and practitioner, an author, speaker. They're the author of Bad Theology Kills, Undoing Toxic Beliefs and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority. Uh, and their new book, What Makes You Bloom, is available for pre-order now. I got the pleasure of being able to read it and endorse it, and it is a lovely, lovely book. The thing I love about Kevin is that in some ways our work is very similar. The work that Kevin does, the work that I do is very similar. And in other ways, it is very, very different. We have, I think, maybe different, I don't know if you want to say different starting points, different ending points. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But but there's so much congruence, but also so much difference. And I think that that Kevin is just a lovely person and so grateful to be able to call them a friend and so grateful that they let me come on their podcast again. You can listen to their podcast, A Tiny Revolution, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, also on YouTube, uh, Kevin did film this one too. So if you want to actually watch this interview, go over to A Tiny Revolution's YouTube page uh, and you can see us see us. Yeah, and my new book, Holy Runaways, Rediscovering Faith After Being Burned by Religion, is available everywhere now. It feels so good to be able to say that. Uh, if you order before the end of the week, before October 6th, you can still get access to the Healing from Spiritual Abuse seminar that I did with a uh, dear friend and mentor, Rachel Clinton Chen, who's a spiritual abuse expert. Uh, earlier this year, we taught a two-hour seminar on how to heal from spiritual abuse. But it's not just for folks who have been spiritually abused, it's for folks who have been hurt spiritually, which I think is many, if not most of us who listen to this show. Uh, it's full of insight, guidance, tools. Uh, we charged $49 for the course when we first taught it. Uh, but again, if you order Holy Runaways before October 6th, before midnight on October 6th, and here's the key, you have to email your receipt Again, before midnight on October 6th, email your receipt to pre-order at holyrunaways.com and you'll get free access to that course. But that's only if you email your, your receipt before midnight on October 6th. It's going to cut off and that's automatic <laughs> and um, there's nothing I can really do about it. So yeah, order the book, email your receipt, get access to that course. If that sounds interesting, you only have a couple more days to do that. I think that's all. So let's go ahead and jump in. Everyone, it's Matthias Roberts. 
that it's so that, good that. to see you. It's been forever. It's been a pleasure. Um, forever since we've done like a content together. Yeah, I mean, we talked last night, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like we, you know, it's like friendship is different than doing contenting things, which is very fun. <laughs> and true. you know, it's very you know you don't always get to hype up your friends around cool things they're doing. So I'm excited. Um, first, as per usual, I always ask the people, how are you introducing yourself to people these days? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because tired. You, it's like, hi, I am exhausted. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I, so, you uh, know, say you are in a good mood, and these people are in a good mood, and they're not going to be weird about whatever it is you do. I let's see. How do I introduce myself? I introduce myself primarily as a therapist these days. Um, mm. That is, that's my main job, day job. Um, yeah, and kind of a departure from like what was like i don't know you know our not your main gig but like ever since we've when we met you were in school for therapy to become a a therapist and like content creation and like talking about queer faith stuff was the side gig yeah right yeah and now i'm i've been a therapist for six years which is mind-boggling to me yeah (laughs) whoa that is a it's a long time. Yeah, that's like an act. That's a that's a healthy career. Yeah, time just flew by. <laughs> yeah, shit. Um, yep. And I think last time we like really sat down and talk was uh, for Beyond Shame when that came out at like the top of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that was and then that was a crazy time. Yep. Woof! That happened after that. Because we all just. Went inside for a while. <laughs> yeah, everything shifted, and now we're back to talk about your newest, uh, your newest project, your newest book, mm-hmm. "Holy Runaways." Subtitle: Rediscovering Faith After Being Burned by Religion. And when I tell you, it's so cute. If you're if you're not watching this on YouTube, I'm holding it up now. But it is such a it's a good cover. Thank it's you. really really fun. I um, love it. Here, let me show you. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold up the hold the it finish, up the finished version. Ooh. Ooh, it looks so good. So pretty. Yes. In yes. the hardcover. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And also, it's like the correct way on the screen. It's not reversed either. So just in case you're wondering. Good. <laughs> um, But I, what I, I liked this book because it's one of those books. Um, Well, let, I'll let you talk about it before I get into what I like about it. But No, I want to hear what you have to say. Well, what I liked about it is like it's different than other kind of like books in this sphere where i feel like it's a lot it tends to be a lot of theot like you know uh apologetics or like how do i look at the bible from this different perspective and whatnot and this was like much more narrative driven around not around like you know how am i going to square the bible but how am i going to live like how do i actually live after and like have any sort of spiritual practice or faith in anything after yes. I've walked away from this thing. And I like the format too. It's like the kind of like essays that are just like, you know, it's like one continuous thing, but it's like small miniature essays throughout this entire thing that kind of like flow through. So mm-hmm. I'm ex- I, I, I I like it. I liked it Thank a lot. You. Thank you. Um, Thank I you. Ha- what was that one thing you said in the intro that I was just not over? Hold on, I, I I underlined it. Oh, I'll find it in a minute. So how do you describe this book? 
How when, yeah. when someone's just like, okay, so you got you got a second book coming out? Oh my god, this is so great. What's it about? <laughs> Which is really annoying. It's like, oh, how do I describe this thing succinctly? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I, and I still haven't mastered that yet, even though I should have at this point. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I've been describing it as like part kind of memoir of my experience being a queer person trying to figure out what to do with faith and part, uh, my expertise as a therapist in like religious trauma, spiritual trauma spaces, uh, and kind of combining those to try to not answer the question, but be a companion alongside the question of how do we heal Mm -hmm. uh, when we have been in uh, spiritually harmful places? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. How did you start? Like when, like, cause, which I know is a very broad question, but just like, even for you, like, how did you begin to even like, or how, when, how did you begin rediscovering a faith for yourself like or like any sort of faith identity mm-hmm. after like you know you really started like your own process of becoming who you are and then that's also like in tandem of like going to school to be a therapist and like getting into your practice and working with real people but for you like what does it look like to rebuild something for yourself mm-hmm. you know i think for me it it happened in tandem with actually discovering that I was hurt. <laughs> like, oh. I, I think that was... That like actually was, figuring out, oh, I still have pain. Yeah. Oh. Or, or not even still. Like, I have pain. Like, I and I think, like, I mean, I think I could have told you that I was hurt, but I don't think I understood how deeply hurt I was. Mm. And and I talk about this a lot in the book. Like, I, I, I think, this is a spoiler in some ways, like, I, I think the way forward towards healing is, is actually being able to be honest about our pain. Yeah. Uh, and it took a very long time for me to be honest about my pain because, because I don't know, like without having other people to be able to reflect our pain back to us, I don't know that we have the capability to actually recognize how deep our pain is. Mm-hmm. Like we need community to be able to show to us and, and reflect back to us like, at least in my experience for me, like people being like, Oh, that's messed up (laughs) or, Mm -hmm. Oh, that must have really hurt. And me being like, no, it didn't. And then taking a second being like, wait a second. Like, yeah, yeah, it did. There's actually, there's actually maybe some emotion really deep down in there. And, uh, that was huge. Uh, which then, you know, led to all the the classic questions of like, well, what do I do with this faith now? What do I do with all these things? But it, it really was, starting to become more familiar with my pain. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of folks, when they're beginning the journey, like they, you know, they'll start their shadow work because TikTok is like, everyone's getting the shadow. First of all, I don't want the fucking shadow work journal TikTok. You know? Do you know what I'm talking about, Matthias? Are you on TikTok enough to know what I'm talking about? Well, I, so I'm not on that part of TikTok very intentionally. <laughs> My TikTok is like mostly like prank videos and hot guys. So. <laughs> I need maybe I need to. I'll, I I should get a second TikTok that's like just for the silly things. That's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when speaking of that, when people begin to do their work and they begin to like question those things, like the pain starts to come up and they start experiencing 
themselves in some way for the very first time. Some people like I like I know for me like I just my impetus is to shut down first mm-hmm. is to get like really really scared and push the pain away rather than allowing myself to face it. Because mm-hmm. um, again, just like we're never taught how to sit with those things, we're never taught how to I don't know rebuild something after it's broken. Right. Right. And, and and again, I think one of the key points here, at least in, in how I kind of think about this, is like, if that hasn't been modeled to us, mm-hmm. like, we can't do it alone. Right. Like, we need other people to be able to do that with us and show us how to do it. Like, because we are products of our environment. And yeah, I talk about that in the book so much. And 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 I want to be really clear, like, I'm not saying, like, you need to do it with a therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I mean, it can be helpful, but I, I'm talking about community. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about mentors. Like, I'm talking about all of these things that I, I think we need and I think that's some of the tragedy of this is like when we've experienced spiritual harm, it is harm that occurs within community. Mm-hmm. And therefore being in community feels traumatizing and scary. Yeah. And and so like it, it fucks things up a lot um, and makes things so difficult when yeah. it comes to starting to heal. Because, oof. And this is something I think we've seen played out within uh, online community spaces like on in the twitterverse and the exvangelical scene within like certain discord channels and like where you know one person's really big traumatic outburst becomes a, a rallying cry for other people but it turns out it's somebody else just taking out their trauma on somebody else and everybody getting activated and everyone's chronically online for three days trying to put out fires that i don't know actually exist but like and it's because i think we don't have these really deep friendships to say it's like hey it looks like you're really hurting Mm -hmm. it looks like you know like this thing that's happening over here is activating you again Mm -hmm. do you realize that Mm -hmm. and i don't we just don't have it a lot of times right yeah and and I, yeah, like and I hold so much compassion, mm-hmm, for and sure. I don't mean that in like a demeaning way. Like I think because I have been that person. Yo, like, Tambien, like, who who among times. us who hasn't <laughs> like, been the person to have an right, emotional outburst like, online <laughs> on the internet? Because oftentimes that's the only place that feels safe enough to do it. Right? Like we can't Ooh, have those kinds on. of of out i don't even want to call it an outburst uh, those kinds of breakdowns mm-hmm. or on, or even honest yeah or honest emotional many, responses yes in many of the places in our like a lot of our in-person or um mm-hmm. environments like that we can't we can't do that because it's not safe mm-hmm. and like I, again that's what makes this so tricky because right. like there there's i think a deep goodness in that honesty but Mm -hmm. it's also a sign that we have not had enough containing presences in our life to be able to um, contain ourselves Mm. say more about that containing presence tell me what that means for you because that's that's an interesting term that i like yeah so you know i i I think about it and 
I, I, I use this definition in the book a lot. It, it comes from a, a, an attachment researcher named Abby Wong Hefter. Um, and, and she talks about love being the presence of attunement, containment, and repair. Attunement, and, containment, and repair. I like this. Okay. Yeah. Which are, I mean, for folks uh, who know kind of attachment theory, those will likely be familiar terms. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's this idea of attunement, which is someone being able to um, feel felt. Like there, there's a researcher named Dan Siegel who actually used that language. Attunement is feeling felt. <laughs> when I'm in the presence of someone, I feel that that person feels me. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of woo woo, but it's very true. I mean, that's what. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what the ability to yeah, is. it's like when I'm sitting here and you're trying to give me compassion, I can receive it and I can feel it yes. within my person. Right. Yes, and you can tell that the other person is is feeling that too. Mm-hmm. Like they're not off in another world; they're attuning to you. Mm. Um, but we don't just need attunement. We need containment, which is the presence of someone who can actually hold all of who we are and not become dysregulated themselves. Um, mm, yes. So attunement, containment, and and then there will always be failures of that. Like that is a product of relationship. Mm-hmm. Like we cannot perfectly attune. We cannot perfectly contain. Not possible. Um, and so the the third thing is the presence of repair, being able to realize when we've made mistakes or be able to hear, like, uh, I've done this with you before, Kevin, like, that really hurt me. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> and then we can talk about it uh, and and repair. So attunement, containment, and repair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abby Wong Hafter d- defines that as love. Mm. Uh, and if we don't have those things, then we haven't been loved. Uh, Ooh. And, and so when I talk about containing presences, like mm-hmm. the internet is so uncontained, mm-hmm. right? Like we yeah. have strong, big emotions. We put it out on the internet. There's nothing containing about that. No, There's, it's not. Uh, it's not something. It's it's pouring your it's pouring your heart out into uh, a sieve. Yes. Just that right. it's just the it's going right through it. Yes. Yes. And so it is reflective of like we build our own ability to contain mm-hmm. our emotional worlds by being contained by other people. Ooh, right? that's good. And uh when we have not had that, we are uncontained. So here no fault there. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's a reality of the world that we are in. Um and we, I mean, in, in kind of more classic psychoanalysis, although this is not strict psychoanalysis, mm-hmm. um, we continue to look for presences who can contain. Many mm-hmm. of us start to find a sense of containment online, but that, but online spaces cannot contain like really big emotions. Yeah, it's just they're just not built for it. Yeah. Um, oof, I could sit on that for a while too. Because like that, that is also, I think that's also, and this is also not to say that like real deep friendships can't come out of online spaces, but like a lot of right. times I would say like you, you, our relationship, you and me, and then I'll also think like my relationship with our mutual friend, Miles, um, with Jer, these are all mutuals of ours. Um, but those, I think these relationships, which started online primarily, have the difference between 
you know, what our relationship, which has a container, I think is a response, a sense of responsibility to one another in some way. Mm -hmm. And not like in a way that's super possessive, but just, you know, there's actual mutuality. There's actual, uh, you know, in, you know, IRL kind of bonds that we've created. Um, there's act, uh, you know, there, there's there's more than just like the parasocial relationships that a lot of people create through consuming content and thinking mm-hmm. that that's interaction. Right. You know, right. does that make sense? Yes. It, yeah, it makes so much sense. Like it, it brings, and, and I think I, I, I want to be really clear again, mm-hmm. like it does not mean it cannot happen in only online spaces. Correct. Like it does not mean that your online friendships need to turn to in-person friendships in order to be containing. Mm-hmm. That is not true. Right, like, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but that, that sense of when we're in large groups, large groups inherently, mm-hmm. online at least, and, and even oftentimes in person, like cannot contain <laughs> mm-hmm. looking at you uh, mega churches <laughs> right like that's where so much of our harm has come from among other things mm-hmm. and so that is not to say don't speak up when there is injustice present right <laughs> like, of course we need to do that in in these spaces uh and many of us are trying to do that um but there, there's a lot of complexity in here of how do we do learn to do it in a way that actually holds ourselves mm-hmm so that we're not walking into a re-traumatization um, because of our trauma, mm-hmm. right? That's really, it is like, this is why there's, this, there's such burnout among activists as well, is people do not have the resiliency to continue to engage with something in a way that does not exhaust them or burn them out. Yeah. And that is... Because we also, again, like, you know, the capitalism mind and the capitalism brain is like work, 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 work. We have to do it. We have to do it. We have to fight. We have to fight. We have to fight. And true, we're all out of time. We all have to fight. And we have to figure out how we're going to do it in a way that's not going to make us miserable. Right. Because, like, otherwise, what's the point? 100%. And this is where I think like black women, like most, most always are leading mm-hmm. the way. Like, like I think of Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes, new book, like the sacred self-care. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, on these, last these, week. I know. Yeah. I saw that <laughs> like in, in building these practices of resilience mm-hmm. in order to hold us <laughs> so that then we can do this really difficult, really at times re-traumatizing work. Yeah. We need those. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, the thing that just came to mind, um, working uh, with the Stop Cop City campaign in Atlanta, uh, there are so many people who are just at their wits end. Um, I'll, I'll go to like my, I'll, I'll show up in like my stole and serve as like a, a chaplain in those spaces for people who need it. And some people are just so, I mean, rightfully disheartened because the city of Atlanta is like continuously, you know, not... You know, the people don't want Cop City. It's been pretty clear, but they just ignore us. Um, but it's like, I see it a lot. I'm just like, this is burning, like, you know, this is burning people out. And yeah, I guess like when you're like, you know, going back to the initial thing of part of this conversation around needing people, this is this is why we need it. Especially I think for like in our little like 
I don't know, slice of the internet around like people who are pulling apart their faith or deconstructing or uh, spiritually evolving. That's how I like to think of it. I think everybody's spiritually evolving into something better, personally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's what I was so interested in with this book was not just, I mean, sure, there's some theology in the book. Like I kind of present like at least a, a sliver of my beliefs, but I'm I kind of my what I've come to. But I'm very clear in the book, like, this is not what you need to believe. Like, this is what mm-hmm. has started to function well for me. Um, but, like, you get to decide this for yourself. But I am far less interested in the theology, far less interested in the arguments, mm-hmm. and far more interested in what's actually happening behind the surface. The What I call the psychology mm-hmm. <laughs> of healing that allows us to then find new beliefs, find new grounding mm-hmm. that allows us to step into flourishing, whether that's in faith spaces or not. Mm. What's... Uh, um. What are some of those things that that you think in like the psychology of healing? Like what are the, some of like the key moments that happen for folks along the way to being able to establish the safety necessary to kind of define new beliefs for themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I think I think this is this is and I'm gonna give you some answers, but but I think this is where things do get tricky. Tricky. Because there is not like a three-step system towards healing. I think I that, there was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep going. Um, and I think that can be really frustrating because so many of us who are wanting healing are like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm, without knowing your story, I can't. Right. Uh, I need to know more about you. I, we need to be in community together, actually, uh, for us to be able to figure out like what you need for your particular healing. But I think on a broad level, one is the honesty about pain. Mm -hmm. Two is learning to cultivate Mm -hmm. self-compassion. I think that's a huge one. I think so often when we've been traumatized, uh, the easiest thing to do and the most natural thing to do is to hold ourselves in contempt. To hold this sense of, I did something wrong. Even if we don't consciously believe it, there's usually a a part of ourselves to believe, if only I hadn't done X. Mm. Or when this happened, because I did this, everything went to shit, right? Like we hold ourselves on the hook. Uh, And I think learning how to cultivate self-compassion, I think we need other people for this, Mm -hmm. so that we let ourselves off the hook. Mm -hmm. Um. I think that one is huge. So then we can grieve honestly mm-hmm. about what happened and get angry honestly about what happened. Mm. Like, and I think those those things are the major the major things. <laughs> yeah. The the amount of guilt that we're programmed to keep within ourselves is mm-hmm. horrifying. Like, um, and I, I, there's a line from A Course in Miracles I love that says, if guilt is hell, what is its opposite? Mm. And that's really, I think, what, like, for many of us, it's, it's, it's either patriarchal programming or capitalism programming or, uh, you know, our evangelical or, like, high religion upbringing programming that really teaches us to punish ourselves, to make ourselves uh you know kind of like the like we all fulfilled our parents worst nightmares you know (laughs) 
and <clears throat> and we feel bad about that hmm. even though it's the thing that saved our lives right yeah. so like getting like when i'm when i'm working with people that's a huge one I'm just like because if you can get rid of the guilt and by that i mean if you can give the guilt that you carry enough love it will dissolve that's because that, like you like you were saying that self-compassion my favorite phrase when i talk about compassion is unbearable compassion mm-hmm. is the idea of like when you think of you know that you know like if you can like you know whoever's listening imagine something or somebody in your life that's so easy to love and when you see it you just gush and you just it's like so or you see or like you just want every good for it. it's like that kind of love that just like, I'm going to love you no matter what till the day you die. Yeah. Like that kind when, when we have that for ourselves on that intense, beautiful level, which I think is like, that's what the universe has for us. Hmm. I think that's the kind of love God has for us all the time and how we experience that love, that love of God or the love of the universe is by giving it to ourselves. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Uh, I want to break that down a little. Bring it. Because I think it, it is one thing to be able to talk about it. Um, it's another thing to be able to actually do it. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that makes it so hard, in in my opinion, is that I'll talk about it as care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good care is exposing of all of the places we have not received good care throughout our lives. Mm-hmm. And and so for many of us who have not received good care, to suddenly start to get good care, it exposes everything and we shut down. Right? Oh. Like we can't actually receive it because we don't know how to receive it. Um, it oh. feels it feels threatening. So even if our cognitive brains can can look at that and be like, that person seems really kind and caring. Mm-hmm. Uh, our nervous systems, because we have been regulated to an environment where care doesn't exist, is starting to send off alarm bells and say, get away. We can't trust this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the catch? <laughs> When's the other shoe going to drop? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it, it, it starts to expose. And, and that is where I think, like, grief work, and this is slow grief work, yeah. starting to get in touch with those parts that feel exposed and seeing, mm-hmm. oh, here are all the places I have not received care mm-hmm. and being able to start to grieve that, that mm-hmm. work allows us to slowly start to open up to actual good care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's not just a process of accepting, although it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it is it, this massive, slow, hard work mm-hmm. of learning how ultimately to grieve. Yeah. It's one of those, it's like, it's hard because it's painful, not because, I'll say this from my perspective, from where I'm sitting, it's like, I don't think it, it's a, there's a part of me that says it's not difficult, it's different, and I had to do this for myself and my own process with accepting love and learning how to do it, is I had to tell myself, this is no harder than accepting bullshit, this is no mm-hmm. harder than accepting hate. This is no harder than accept. It's like, and the only reason it's difficult is because I've never done this before. It makes sense that this feels so hard. Um, and I'm still, I, I mean, we all do it. It's not like I do this perfectly all the time. Um, but that like, um, the beginning portion of it, if you like, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I want to, if you start and you just little by little, 
Like it, and like again, we want everything right now. We want it fast. We want to fix it. And it's like, well, it's not broken. It's just injured. It's just you're like you're the soft animal of your body is in pain. Mm. Let them grieve. You know, let the body do what it needs to do. Take let it take its time. Demand nothing of your body as far as like time is concerned. Yeah. And give to yourself the time you need to let that that grief dissolve into that love. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and and I say that as somebody who's been doing my work for a couple of years and so yeah, I also want to say at the same time, it is so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it it may be broken. Say more. Like like you you may be broken. Like mm-hmm. like I think like I think we we need to be really honest about the harm hmm. that many folks have experienced harm that breaks yeah actually breaks us um hmm. but, but I, I i think about a metaphor it's not a perfect metaphor but i think about a metaphor of when our bones break yes um, they heal mm-hmm. sometimes they heal really well sometimes they don't <laughs> um yeah and that all but, has but to do I, with the care too. Ooh, yes, <laughs> right, yes, yeah. So, so how I, I think how do we care for the parts of us that have been broken? Um, because many of us have been broken. You are convicting me today, in the best way. And I say that, and like I don't feel guilty. I'm just I feel like I'm getting a an upgrade in understanding. Well, and I, I get, I mean, I get your language there. Of course. I, I understand it. That sense of like, we're not broken, we're just injured. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Because especially in the context of a church environment where we've been told we're broken, mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh many God. of us shy away from that. Like, yeah. why would we want to use that language? Why would we want to call ourselves broken? Like, it is so uh, triggering and harmful. Right. Like, it is harmful right. language. <laughs> and it's like, um, it's like, well, and then we re- when we get out of there, we realize, oh, fuck, I am broken, but not because... I was built that way, or that's my default. I was, I'm broken because I spent my entire life breaking, you know, breaking my back for these people. Yep. Oh shit! I, I'm so glad I have therapy on Monday because I got some stuff that I need to talk about. <laughs> um. Oof. In your work, like um, when you're approaching those uh, situations with folks, where it's just like, oh yeah, big break here. Um, and maybe like you know the break happened years ago, it didn't set right, didn't heal right, or like you know is still kind of like in need of some care in order for it to fully heal. Um, I mean, how do you approach when you're working with people like who want to? heal that aspect of themselves how do you start that process Uh, slow 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 Mm -hmm. oftentimes when we have experienced pain and that pain hasn't been healed uh we find ways of coping Mm -hmm. we have to right to be able to live our lives um but often those ways of coping are setting up uh, shortcuts to not touch that pain, right? Mm-hmm. We, we find ways to just work around it. That's it. Yeah. So that pain exists, 
but we kind of set up our lives, set up our relationships, set up the way we think, all of those things as, as like a route we don't touch the pain. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and we need those. That's important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, some, most often that kind of pain is so catastrophic that if we were in touch with it, it would continue to be devastating. We wouldn't be able to function. Mm -hmm. um, but then to start reapproaching that pain, right? We have to work with all those defenses first. Right. <laughs> and we have to honor those defenses as good, right? Like we can't power through them. We can't smash through them. They're there for a reason. And, and so like it's, it's often a slow work of starting to detangle the defenses before we can even start to touch the pain. Mm. Um, like we're talking years kind of here. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I think that that is some of the trickiness of working with this kind of pain is that, and I keep using that word tricky cause it is tricky, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, is that it is slow. Yeah. Um, and we have to tend with nourishment because mm -hmm. if we go quickly uh and and i will say you know there's always nuance here sure uh some of us have held the pain for so long that we're ready to be done with it and can go in and maybe do some intensive work or whatever and like let let and it release it heal. like i mean like at times that is very possible yeah uh so it, it's not an either or it's not like it always has to be slow like some of us are yearning for spaces to be able to do this work and when we start doing it it happens so fast mm -hmm. um but more often i see the slow the yeah. slow as opposed to the, the quick, i mean like i think yeah. it's i think about the death of my father which just like it's always the example that comes up but you know he's been dead for five years now still crying about it mm -hmm. and so what i th it's i'm not crying all the time about it but i i still uh you know when i you know have like the day that i honor him i get sad because there's mm -hmm. so much life that he of my life that he didn't get to experience and so it feels like grieve and then uh grieve some more and then when it comes up again grieve some more and then when it comes up again, do it again. It's like that thing is going to come up as many times as it needs to, as because just because that's what it does. It's like, yeah. and then rather than thinking I should be over this by now, I've now told myself, oh, of course I'm feeling this. Yeah, I've said, oh yeah, I, because for so long I've done, t t t I've been through X Y Z things. I used to believe so deep down that this was true. So of course it makes sense that I'm triggered when somebody says something or I hear a song. Oh, the other day, where was I? Uh, I heard a worship song in public, and I don't usually get like freaked out by things like that. But I was like, I have to go. I have to leave right now. <laughs> Mm. And uh, I was also like, I went to a worship service because like my friend was leading and I had to leave the service because I was just back in it. I was like, this is weird. I've never mm. been triggered like this before, or at least I didn't think I was. I didn't think I had that kind of trauma, but here I am <laughs> discovering it. Yeah, right. Uh, Dr. Laura Anderson, who founded or was the co-founder of the Religious Trauma Institute, um, I had a conversation with her a few months ago around like healing and something that she said, uh, I am paraphrasing her words here is, 
healing is learning how to sit with our emotions more honestly. And that means both our pain <laughs> and our happiness, our joy, etc. It's not that we don't experience those things. Right. <laughs> it's not that we suddenly heal and and don't experience these emotions of of even when we encounter things from our past that hurt. Mm-hmm. Like healing is not being able to look at something that hurt us and say I don't feel anything anymore. <laughs> Right. Like, we should feel things that thing hurt us mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it's it's learning how to sit with those emotions and not let them like integrate them so not mm-hmm. let them knock us off base to where we get so dysregulated that we need to take days to recover mm-hmm. if you need to take days to recover do it like you need that <laughs> um but healing is 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 slowly being able to integrate those things so that when we see those things we can say Oh, that really hurts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good. And that little bit of honesty, shit changes. Oh, I'm excited for this book. I'm excited for people to, I don't know, get in touch with you again. Just because mm-hmm. it's been a while. And also just every time I sit down with you and I hear your words, I'm like, fuck, you are so good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know people you... I know people you worked with. They say you work wonders on them. So um, uh, I have before we, you know, we're not going to close out yet because I have five more questions. But I want to say, everyone, please go get your copy of Holy Runaways. It's available October 3rd, wherever books are sold. But pre-orders are literally life. So, like, go get it right now. Um, Yes. And there's a little like if if you're listening to this when pre-orders are still happening, yeah. there's a little little bonus offer. A bonus uh, offer. Doing. So you can find out about that at holyrunaways.com. Huh. I won't say what it is because for folks who are listening after may get jealous, but holyrunaways.com for. Well, I mean, I'm going. Uh, my plan is to. When do you want me to put this out? A week before? I could put it out now. Put it out next week. I think you should put it out the week it comes out. Okay, I'll put it out the week it comes out. So people who didn't pre-order, sucks to suck. You're never going to know what the bonus was. <laughs> It'll be up till October 6th. Oh, okay. Well, then then go get the, the fancy bonus material at holyrunaways.com. Um, and to close out every single episode, I've, been, I've actually consistently for like since the top of the year been asking the same five questions every time. And you've answered them Great. for me before, but... Matthias Roberts, are you ready to play just one thing five times? Let's do, it. Let's do it. These things terrify me. Yes. It's okay. <laughs> what is one thing you like about yourself right now? Mm. Uh, right now, uh, I am really inserting, I'm really enjoying the way that I'm leaning more into my friendships yeah. and learning how to do that. That's nice. Mm-hmm. What is one thing you're proud of? Just like in general. Sure. Okay. I'm proud of this book. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's done. Y'all don't even... And I'm I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Like I'm so proud of it. It's yeah. gonna be so good. And it's almost here. Holy shit. It it's is. like two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Listen, those uh-huh. contractions are gonna get closer and closer together. So just watch out. <laughs> um uh what's one thing that pisses you off? can be petty or it can be profound. doesn't matter. People who are condescending. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
pisses me off. You want to talk about it? You want to tell the few? No, we talked about it last <laughs> night. <laughs> Stay tuned for listen. If you're on either one of our Patreons, you can subscribe to the the shit talking conversation. Just kidding, that doesn't exist. Um, what's one thing that you're committed to? Uh, helping people find flourishing. Mm. And the final one, what's one thing you want to do before you die? Go to Antarctica. Oh, sick. That'd be fun. I know. Better go before it melts. Wait, it, they still they have land there. There's no land at the North Pole. That's right? Yes. I'm not a geologist. Well, I'm I'm not a scientist either, and I'm sitting here being like, yeah, it is the South Pole that has because it's a continent. It has land. Yeah. Yeah. There's no north. There's no north Antarctica. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> science with Kevin and Matthias. Did y'all listen? Uh, <laughs> ASAP science, get out the way. We're coming for your gig. <laughs> we can teach in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm 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 switching careers. <laughs> in fact, no. Uh, what is it like? I, I read somewhere like like. They were gonna just like in school counselors, but you didn't have to have like a psychology degree or anything. You just gotta be like from a local church and you can be an in school counselor in Florida. I think I heard that. <laughs> Florida. Who the fuck cares? Oh God. Lord, if we pray for Florida every day. Mm-hmm. Um okay. Tell people on the internet where they can find your work, where they can buy Holy Runaways, and uh, if you have a joke, that's is where you can put it in, too. Great. Uh, you can find Holy Runaways wherever you buy books. I would encourage you to support your local bookstores uh, and not buy from giant online stores. Uh, and my work can be found across the internet at Matthias Roberts. Um, and I already said my joke about Florida, so that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only one I got. <laughs> that's perfect. You nailed it. Um, can't wait to go on vacation again. We need to do that. We do. We really do. Be sure to go grab a copy of Holy Runaways: Rediscovering Faith After Being Burned by Religion. Wherever you buy books, I would say support your local bookstore if they don't have it in stock they can get it within a matter of days and you're helping keep places alive that need our help (laughs) we need our local bookstores so buy it from them also go be sure to check out kevin's work uh kevin can be found at thekevingarcia.com their podcast a tiny revolution is available wherever you get podcasts and watch for their new book what makes you bloom coming in january it's been so fun to share these couple episodes with y'all around the launch of holy runaways again i'm not sure when i'll be back with another episode of queerology but i will keep you posted so until then bye